Welcome to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 1, What We Saw Edition. I am Eric Smith, the Editor-in-Chief of QBList.com, and we are just, uh, you know, it's a typical Week 1 of the NFL season. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was outscored by Trey Lance and Taylor Heineke. Uh, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift were both top five running backs heading into Sunday night, so so much having to choose between the Lions' backfield. James Winston threw five touchdown passes on just 20 attempts. Two of those went to Jawan Johnson, which makes him the tight end four of the week. And the league-leading fantasy defense was the Arizona Cardinals on the back of five Chandler Jones sacks. So just a typical week one. Everything we thought would happen was pretty much reversed from the start. Um, But that's why this is so fun. So it was a blast watching all these games, getting all this new information from week one. And I am joined by Ryan Heath to recap the week up front. I will have Aaron Rader joining us later to talk Falcons, Eagles, and Packers Saints, figure out what happened in those games. So have a really, uh, really fun podcast on tap it's going to be a little different than the way what we saw was last year so i hope you like the new format um ryan thanks for joining me we've got a lot to cover here but um what'd you think of week one any big first impressions from our opening weekend of action yeah week one's been a lot of fun i will say something that was pretty typical was raheem Mostert got injured about 20 minutes into the game so that that was pretty tilting for me i had him in just about every dfs lineup especially after Trey Sermon was ruled out. But yeah, other than that, I had a lot of fun. It's awesome to have football back, and I'm excited to dive into some of these games. Yeah, I definitely put in a lot of Raheem Mostert after the Trey Sermon inactive. Uh, so yeah, that backfired, I think, probably on everyone involved. So um, there were no, uh, the people who got injured this week, it was not very surprising, I would say. So you hate to see people injured, but I think there was some warning coming on a few of these yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, We are not going to cover every single game on the podcast this year. That's what our What We Saw article is for. So I would highly encourage you all to go to QBList.com on Monday. Check out What We Saw. We've got a specific writer for each game. And we're just focused on fantasy football takeaways. So we're going to hit the big stuff here. But um, for anything we missed, please go to the website and check it out. Um, Our our writers do a great job on all that. So uh, I, I felt like week one, the biggest topic here for us to get into are the running back committee across the league um, shake out some of the snap shares here uh, there's just a lot to take away we finally got to see how these teams want to use their backfield so I think we have to start first and foremost with San Francisco like we mentioned um, Trey Sermon the third round rookie running back was a surprise healthy and active before the game um, Elijah Mitchell sixth round rookie ended up taking 35 snaps after Raheem Mostert was injured after just four snaps um, as far as Mostert goes uh Shanahan said they told they told him they're not worried about it being an ACL injury, so that's good news, but that's about all they know. So Raheem Mostert makes it four snaps, leaves with an injury. Elijah Mitchell takes over, 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, 38 of that came on a one long run. Um, and then Jamichael Hasty was the only other active running back. He saw 16 snaps to Mitchell's 35. He saw just two touches. So um, from my perspective here, I know a lot of people shy away from the San Francisco backfield. It's scary. It's a committee. Um, but you can see the potential here with Mitchell going 19 for 104 and a touchdown against the Lions. So uh, I would be jumping all over Mitchell on the waiver wire. I would imagine Sermon is back next week, but this was the big scare with Mostert was just that he was not going to stay healthy throughout the season, and it's already happened. So, um, Ryan, did I miss anything there? Uh, what do you think the pecking order is here going forward in San Francisco? Um, is or is it a big red flag that Sermon was inactive this week, or is it just one of those coaching things where he saw the bench? Maybe he doesn't play special teams or whatever. 
Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, there was some talk about teams being afraid of what happened to the Ravens backfield. So maybe they're trying to keep at least one running back inactive and healthy in case there's a similar apocalypse as what happened (laughs) in Baltimore. But yeah, I would say Sermon being inactive week one is a bit of a red flag, especially considering Elijah Mitchell has been there just as long as he has. He was also drafted in this NFL draft and he was a sixth rounder. I mean, Mitchell is more of like a Shanahan style running back. He's kind of that smaller, faster, more explosive guy. So I would be jumping on Mitchell as well. I mean, you're holding Sermon, of course, to see what happens. But mm-hmm. it, as you said, it's worth taking shots in this backfield as tilting as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think hasty, I mean, only deep leagues, you're probably looking at him. I mean, he's going to be there. Um, I was surprised they only went with three running backs. And like you said, I mean, Sermon, yeah, sure. He's a rookie and inexperienced, but hasty and Mitchell have a lot less draft capital. Mitchell's a rookie as well. So it's concerning that Sir Sermon did not play, but they're going to need him. It's a long season. I wouldn't freak out too much if you rostered Sermon. But um, as far as next week goes, man, it's up in the air. Uh, but I would run out and get Mitchell on waiver wires. I just, I, I don't think you're going to get this type of player very often later in the year. And I think it's worth spending fab or a waiver priority to get someone like Mitchell. So would you be going all in relatively speaking on Mitchell? I wouldn't be going all in, all in because stuff can happen. This is the San Francisco backfield, but like a a healthy, like 20% bid probably makes sense. I mean, you could end up getting little to nothing out of it, but there's a lot of upside here for sure. I mean, yeah, we'll be having the same conversation a week from now, I'm guessing too. (laughs) So whichever guy ends up going off next week. (laughs) For sure. But, you know, they put up 41 points. You see why we're chasing these running backs. It's uh, it's a situation that definitely has some value. So, all right, let's get on to the other side of this game, the Detroit backfield. Uh, This was a wild game, 41 to 33. The 49ers won. Lions made a big comeback here. Um, There was a lot of talk before the game that DeAndre Swift was just going to kind of ride the pine and uh, take a backseat to Jamal Williams. That was not the case. Um, the Lions ran an insane amount of snaps in this game, but DeAndre Swift led the way with 63 snaps. He had 11 carries, 39 yards, a team high 11 targets, which is really what we were looking for here. Eight catches, 65 yards and a touchdown. Jamal Williams, though, on 32 snaps, um, about half as much. Uh, he still sees nine carries and a touchdown. He has nine targets and eight catches. So this Detroit backfield paid off if you took a chance on either of them. It really did not matter which one you picked here. Um, it's not going to happen every week. We're not going to see 90-some snaps out of the Lions every week. Um, so what do you think here, Ryan? I mean, I'm, I've been high on Swift. I've been taking him probably around above ADP most of the offseason. I just think the breakout potential is huge. Um, did he pretty much put all the concerns to bed here? Because uh, this, I mean, with all the concerns we saw pregame, the fact that he came out and did this, I'm feeling awfully good about Swift right now. Yeah, I would also be feeling pretty good about, about Swift. I have him on quite a few rosters as well. I mean, I'm not sure the Lions are going to be this fast-paced every single week. I think a lot of it had to do with how badly they were trailing. But yeah, getting 11 targets, is that that was the thesis with DeAndre Swift. That was why you were drafting him in the third or the fourth round. So yeah, I would absolutely be encouraged. We'll see what happens next week when Swift doesn't have all these rumors swirling around him before the game. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, they made Jamar Jefferson inactive before the game. I think that was a pretty good sign. They felt good about Swift. It was just Swift and Williams. So uh, I think it's a great spot for both of them. 
Um, the, the rushing volume and, you know, yardage total isn't always going to be there because this is not going to be a good Lions team. But just the fact that, you know, even Goff was be able to put up points in garbage time, I think was encouraging. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good about Swift. I think Jamal Williams is probably worth, you know, if you're a zero RB team, he's worth a spot on your roster as a flex player. Um, but I would expect this to be Swift's backfield most weeks, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, so let's get to the Arizona backfield next. I think this one pretty much went as predicted. Um, but I thought it was worth pointing out because there is some value here and Arizona scores a lot of points. Um, Chase Edmonds saw 38 snaps, 12 carries and four targets. And James Conner saw 35 snaps, 16 carries and no targets. That's pretty much how we draw it up, I think. Um, the concern for me, I noticed while watching this game, uh, Rondale Moore, wide receiver, um, he had five targets. He looked pretty good as a rookie. And I feel like he's getting the same type of targets that Chase Edmonds is getting here. So I think there's a concern that uh, maybe if Edmonds had this role last year, it'd be a lot more lucrative, but with Rondell Moore catching screens and short dump offs, um, he's kind of fills a similar role to Edmonds. So um, I am a little bit down on Edmonds, I think compared to the consensus, um, but this offense looked really good. So that's generally encouraging for Edmonds. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Are you in on Edmonds? Did you see, was, did you see this as encouraging or discouraging for Edmonds? Yeah, I drafted a decent amount of him this year. I would say it's a push all in all like th this. Like we said, this is about what we expected getting like low double digit carries and uh, helping at targets. The Rondell Moore stuff does worry me a little bit, um, but I think Moore has a chance to sort of displace Christian Kirk from the slot as the year goes on, potentially. I mean, Kirk caught a nice touchdown today, but yeah. it's possible that Moore is can start getting more like traditional receivers usage. So mm -hmm. as that possibly happens, then maybe Edmonds recovers some more of those screenplays. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's all I would really say. And yeah, like you said, the offense looks good. James Conner is still an injury risk, probably one of the biggest injury risks in the league. So if, yeah, if you've drafted Edmonds, I wouldn't be panicking or anything. Yeah. And I mean, 63 yards on 12 carries, you're going to like that from Edmonds. And actually, I mean, this game script isn't really an Edmonds game script. They had the lead throughout against the Titans. Uh, they were up 24 to six at the half. I mean, this is a game where you'd see maybe more of a Connor workload. So yeah, I think all things considered, I mean, they split Edmonds out wide a few times. That was encouraging. They weren't just jamming them up the middle like they did sometimes last year. So yeah, I, I think it's good overall. It's good to see the offense looking good. I just, I would keep an eye on Rondale Moore if they're just kind of sharing the same touches in this offense. So um, James Connor, yeah, it's, if he couldn't do it in a game they won by this many points, um, it's it's probably not looking real great for him. So you'll be able to plug and play him and hope for a touchdown, but I'm, I'm not sure there's much more coming for Ed, um, James Conner there. So, um, yeah, now we'll get to the Washington backfield. Um, another one that relatively went as expected, but I still thought it was worth pointing out. Um, Antonio Gibson, 36 snaps. J.D. McKissick, 20 Um on those 36 snaps, Gibson saw 20 carries for 90 yards and five targets. So that's super encouraging. He was on the field for three third downs, although he ran the ball on all those. Um, McKissick was on for eight third downs, but only had one target and one carry. So on the one hand, Gibson sees, you know, a healthy majority to McKissick here. Um, on the other hand, McKissick is still in on a lot of third downs, which we worried about. I'm taking this as an overall positive outside of their quarterback situation, which we'll get to later. Um, Gibson looked really good on a couple of runs. He flashed on a couple of big plays. Uh, he did have a bad fumble, but other than that, I'm, I'm very encouraged. I think there are better days ahead. That Chargers defense they played against should be good. Um, so I'm not lowering Gibson at all. I do think some might be a little worried, though, that McKissick was still there. So um, are you worried, Ryan, Heath, that they just didn't phase out McKissick right here? 
I'm not really worried. No, I mean, yeah, McKissick was in on third downs to pass block, but it when he's pass blocking, it's not like he's getting targets, as you said. I'm glad that you included the third down snaps to call back to our preseason discourse about, about the third down utilization. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Gibson's going to get 20 carries and five targets in a game where the Washington football team wasn't moving the ball all that well other than with him and when he didn't happen to get in the end zone I mean that's really encouraging the fumble doesn't help obviously but if this is like kind of what Gibson's baseline usage is going to be then I feel pretty good about all the Antonio Gibson I drafted in the early seconds so yeah yeah, they'll have easier matchups than the Chargers too, just overall. So, uh, yeah, I think there are some going to be some blow up games from Gibson. He just, I'm just surprised how strong and durable he looks running the ball between the tackles. So it, the passing game work's going to come. I still believe it. Um, we'll go to Indy, Indianapolis here. This is kind of a weird one. They're playing from behind quite a bit against Seattle, so that's going to skew things. Um, Jonathan Taylor, 42 snaps. Naheem Hines, 34 snaps. It was really just them, so that's good for Taylor. There weren't three or four backs getting a bunch of work. Um, the good for Taylor, though, uh, six catches on seven targets for 60 yards, and he also had 17 carries. Um, Hines still ends up with uh, six receptions, so they really – fed these uh, running backs in the passing game, which I was skeptical about with Carson Wentz. So really good sign. We don't want to see the split this close with Taylor and Hines. I'm hoping positive game flow that evens out some, but um, I think as long as Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor's getting the passing game work, we're happy. The touchdowns are going to come. Um, Ryan, anything here that downgrades Taylor for you? Yeah. I mean, you can't be mad about six catches from Jonathan Taylor. Like that's yeah. probably more than any of us would have expected going into the game. Um, the only thing I would say that concerns me about Taylor is that pretty decent sized contract that Hines just signed for the next three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a Jonathan Taylor dynasty owner, then that's got to worry you a little bit. Maybe you would thought that he'd be free of Hines in the next couple of years. But yeah, I mean, as long as this run game is productive and as long as Wentz is utilizing them in the passing game, like you can't complain too much about Taylor. Yeah, it's a real mixed bag. I mean, they only put up 16 at home against the Seahawks, which we don't think the Seahawks defense is that good, although they may be improved. Um, But it's also Carson Wentz's first game with a lot of missed time from injury. Uh, There's just a lot of good and bad in this performance from Taylor. So if we can get that receiving work every week, that's great. If that goes away, though, and Naeem Hines is chopping into his work like this, that could be a concern because, I mean, we drafted Taylor as a first-round running back, um, and he's not he doesn't profile to be an Alvin Kamara pass catcher. So he really needs to see a lot of snaps, a lot of work on the ground, a lot of touchdowns. But, hey, let's keep up this six for 60. They, they really did seem to be scheming ways to get him the ball in the passing game. So it's overall very positive. Uh, just some things to keep an eye on here in Indianapolis. I mean, Taylor gets seven targets. Hines gets eight. Uh, then you look down the roster here. It's Pascal with four, Pittman with, or with five, Pittman with four. Um, you know, there's some tight ends with four and two. It was all the running backs here. So it's probably encouraging overall. Let's just uh, get Taylor in the end zone and we'll be we'll be in good shape next week. So, um, all right. We had the Denver backfield. Uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, 11 carries, 101 yards. He broke a 70 yard touchdown, though. So that really skews this and a touchdown. Um, Javante Williams had 14 for 45. Uh, but as far as the snap count, it was very even. Um, this was a split backfield. So. I think this is pretty much how we expected it. I'm not sure there's a whole lot to take out of this one. We hope Javante takes over eventually in Denver, but he's a rookie. It's going to take some time. So uh, I don't really have any big stances on this Denver backfield. I think we're just kind of waiting to see how this shakes out. 
Yeah, I would agree. We're just waiting to see if Javante can separate himself a little bit. I guess I would say if we're taking a positive out of this game, it's that Denver's defense seemed pretty competent. So we might get some favorable game scripts for Javante Williams down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's we're probably going to be waiting on this one for the first few weeks at the very least. Yeah, and Javante actually outsnapped Gordon 34 to 32. I I will say on that 70-yard touchdown run from Melvin Gordon, I was shocked at his speed. I, I thought he was going to get caught four different <laughs> times and he just blew away from everyone. So, he looked good. I mean, you know, it wasn't good until that carry, but the 70-yarder, Melvin Gordon certainly showed some bursts. So, um not a lot of work in the passing game for either of them. Uh we'd like to see that more, but I do think with Teddy Bridgewater the offense generally move the ball fairly well. Giants are a good defense. So um, I'd be encouraged if I held either of these running backs. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, it's hard to complain about the performance that Denver just put up. I mean, maybe we're a little worried with Jerry Judy potentially out for six to eight weeks that maybe the offense won't be as effective. But I mean, they played without him for probably most of the second half, I believe. So yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned. Yeah, I think that was the biggest downer of the weekend for me was Jerry Judy's injury. Uh, it looked like it could be a lot worse, but high ankle sprains are bad. But he was, I think he had six for almost 70 early in the third quarter. He was looking like a possession receiver, like he was just really getting open and moving the chains. And I it really looked like it was going to happen with Judy, and then he gets injured. So um, I hope he can get back soon. But these high ankle sprains, I would not be holding your breath because they can really ruin, uh, especially a receiver, ruin their season. So um, that is a bummer. But there's a lot of talent there in the receiving core that could pick up the slack for him. So they are probably going to be featured in the waiver wire this week, I would guess. Um, let's go to Jacksonville. Uh, I, this one went how I thought it would. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of James Robinson truthers would have been disappointed, though. Um, James Robinson with 46 snaps, Carlos Hyde with 25. That's still good. That's 65% of the snaps for Robinson. But last year, he was like way up there every week. He was around 80. Um, He was getting all the work. And Robinson gets five carries, six targets in this one. Hyde gets nine carries, two targets. This was against a Houston defense that's like the best matchup you could get, we thought. And they got (laughs) beat pretty bad. So, uh, this is not looking good here for Jacksonville. More split work than we would like. And then I think Urban Meyer is, uh, yeah, I, I don't trust him. I guess I would just say going forward. So um, I'm down on both of them. I'll have Robinson lower in my ranks next week because this was a dream matchup. I, any glimmer of hope Hope here, Ryan? I I can't say that there is, honestly. Yeah, you definitely don't trust Urban Meyer after the performance that his team just put up against what we thought was going to be the worst team in the league and one of the worst teams of this generation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, maybe in hindsight, we were a little too confident about what the game script was going to look like here. But as you said, if Jacksonville can't have a positive game script against Houston, when is this going to happen? Like, mm-hmm. when is James Robinson going to be able to be productive on the ground in a favorable game script. I I don't see how it works out. No. And they were down uh, 27 to seven at the half. I believe they came out throwing a lot. So they never really had a chance to get the running game going. I think there's going to be a lot of nice garbage time production for this passing game. We might as well, we're not going to touch on this game much, so we might as well get into it a little bit here, but um, I I think it's relatively encouraging for Lawrence and the receivers, even though Lawrence struggled at times, Uh, this defense looks bad in Jacksonville. They're going to be throwing a lot, but uh, for Robinson, I mean, unless they decide to start dumping down to him a lot like they did last year, uh, I don't think it looks great. I mean, his six targets are, you know, fifth on the team. So it's not like he disappeared, but he had elite volume and elite usage last year. And I just, I don't see it happening. So um, I would look for more help if you were counting on James Robinson this year. 
Um, well, I think we'll quickly go through the Houston and Jets backfield. Um, I just kind of wanted to confirm what we all kind of thought was going to happen here. Uh, Mark Ingram, 35 snaps. David Johnson, 22. Philip Lindsay, 20. Rex Burkhead, 10. That's disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mark Ingram gets 26 of the 37 running back carries. David Johnson had four targets, not a lot of passing game work other than that. I, I think Ingram turned, what, 26 carries? Yeah, 26 into 85 and a touchdown with the lead the entire game. So, Ryan, I'm sure there are people out there that are going to see that box score from Mark Ingram and chase it. It's 26 carries, not a lot of running backs do that. Um, he's probably on waivers. I would not recommend that people go after Mark Ingram. Um, do you think he's at least worth picking up and just hanging on to to see what happens, or would you just rather use better you know players in your roster spots yeah i would rather use better players in my roster spots the the issue with ingram is that kind of the inverse of what i just said about jacksonville ingram's not going to see a game script like this again for maybe the entire season when are, like when are the texans going to be leading for the entire game by 27 to 7 at half or whatever you said oh. yeah i i just don't see how this works out this is this is like one of those performances where at the end of the year, we're like, oh, what happened in week one? Oh, Mark Ingram had 26 carries. And uh -huh. that isn't that hilarious. That just seems like one of those stat lines. So, yeah, I would be avoiding. Yeah, and that's a big thing to remember here, too, after week one. There are going to be some really bad offensive performances, but they may have just run into a buzzsaw on defense. And like here in four weeks, it's going to make a lot more sense. You know, like sometimes you do put credit on the defense or, or vice versa, like Houston just ran into a terrible Jaguars defense and it's going to look like an outlier. So really keep in mind this week one can really skew our outlook on some of these teams for three or four weeks before we realize it. And I would guess that this Texans offense is one of those teams. I mean, it was great to see Brandon Cooks come through and maybe he's worth being high on as the number one he's got a lot of talent but the rest of that offense does not have a lot of talent so I would not be chasing anything in that backfield um, and then as far as the Jets backfield I mean Ty Johnson get, leads the way 35 snaps Tevin Coleman 17 Michael Carter 16 I mean that's great if you were drafting Ty Johnson late like I think we both were but then you look at the usage it's four carries for 15 yards for Ty Johnson only three targets and one catch Tevin Coleman actually saw nine carries on his uh, 17 snaps. So when he was out there, he was getting the ball. Um, it looks like a stay away to me. It's probably worth hanging on to Johnson or Carter, maybe at the end of your bench, just as an upside throw. But uh, I don't have any interest in Tevin Coleman, even though he led the team in targets. Um, do, you, do you think this offense is just too ugly? Should we even be wasting the spot on Johnson and Carter? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what I expected. I re I almost thought that the Jets were about to wheel out the San Francisco 49ers backfield like system for some reason. But yeah, no, I mean, I like you said, I guess it's good that Ty Johnson led the way in snaps. Um, It's encouraging. I mean, before the season started, I was talking about how Johnson is an awesome lottery ticket at the end of drafts because, oh, you'll know whether to drop him after week one. But now I don't really know because <laughs> the, the offense didn't show us much of anything that we should get excited about. But Johnson was leading the way in snaps, but not in the usage. So, yeah, it's hard to say. So mm -hmm. I, I guess I'm eating crow on that one. Yeah, I mean, there should be better days ahead. You got a lot of rookies on this offense, rookie head coaching staff, you know, stuff like that. So there's reasons to give them a mulligan here. Uh, but this was a nice matchup against the Panthers. They didn't do a whole lot. I think Zach Wilson showed enough flashes where uh, there's some hope. He also took six sacks and was just kind of running for his life a lot. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought this offense was going to look a little more 
like controlled like San Francisco, like better running, more bootlegs, just kind of like take what the defense gives you, have a nice running game. Um, and it, instead, it kind of seemed like Zach Wilson had to be like a hero and try to make big plays from what I saw. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't real impressed. But, um, hey, Corey Davis looks great. So uh, keep starting him if you got him. Five catches, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. So um, I think that catches us up on most of the backfields. There's a few that we're going to talk about uh, when we break down the games here. Um, these are some of the games that we're not going to touch on as much. So I just want to make sure we got these up front. Uh, I think these are some of the big takeaways for the week. So um, let's just jump into the games. Um, I'm going to have guests on all throughout the year on what we saw, and they watch these games and spend a lot of time on them. And we're going to see what we missed if we weren't able to catch them while we were watching Red Zone or our, our home team or whatever. So um, we're going to start out with Ryan here. Um, he spent a lot of time on the Dolphins and Patriots. Um, Ryan, catch us up. What did we miss here in New England? Yeah, you missed the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. I, I mean, <laughs> sports, I always, I feel like I always refer to sports talk radio in New England. It's going to be terrible this week. I cannot wait <laughs> to hear how it, it'll probably be total like meltdown mode of, oh, like we got the wrong Alabama quarterback. What is Bill Belichick doing? I thought Mac Jones looked very good. I mean, he made pretty much every throw that he should have. The, Problem is they weren't really having him make any aggressive throws down the field. He was re- he was running the typical Patriots Tom Brady offense, dink and dunk to guys like James White. I mean, and especially in the fourth quarter when you're down a score, like they just did not seem to have the urgency to push the ball down the field and try to score. So that was my takeaway on a macro level. Um, getting into the Dolphins backfield committee, because that's something people are probably curious about. Miles Gaskin led the way with 29 snaps, kind of like we assumed. I thought he looked pretty good. He had a nice hurdle that uh, I believe Ben Brown tweeted out a gif of that. Uh, Malcolm Brown had 16 snaps. He was used mostly in short yardage, including uh, like a direct snap, like on the <laughs> on the goal line, which was interesting. I mean, any time you can give a direct snap to Malcolm Brown on the goal line, you you just got to do it if you're an NFL coach. So, and then Salvan Ahmed had 11 snaps. He was used on a couple screen plays, um, but overall, this seems like this is Miles Gaskin's backfield. He didn't super pop out on the stat sheet, but I think he's gonna be a pretty safe RB2 flex type of play this year. I mean, this was a pretty tough matchup uh, against the Patriots defense. So I'd be feeling pretty good about Miles Gaskin. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it feels like there's not much margin for error here because he had five targets, caught all five of them for just 27 yards. It's it's kind of empty scoring, but if you're in PPR, you'll take it. Um, but I mean, that was pretty bankable last year too for Gaskin. You know, it felt like he had six, five, seven catches every week. So it's not like that surprising. Um, if he keeps getting that receiving game work, it's going to be just fine. This was a matchup, two really good defenses that know each other really well. So I expected a 17, 16 type game out of this one. Uh, so, I mean, it's great that he was, he looked like the best back on the ground too. So that's encouraging. Um, no, I I think I'm generally encouraged. I've never thought that Gaskin had really any breakout potential necessarily he's just you know he's kind of like that Mike Davis type he could draft he's just you're hoping you're getting all the work from the backfield and he's going to give you some PPR points so I think they both kind of produced in a similar fashion this week um you just you know you'll get touchdowns some week and it'll it'll be a lot better so that's what I would say with this backfield I would hope that Ahmed takes over for Malcolm Brown at some point I've seen a lot more out of him than Brown I'm I'm ready for Brown to go away and just uh, be a coach or something but (laughs) I I guess it's not going to happen yet but that's my big hope 
Yeah, Ahmed has some burst. I agree. Yeah, there were. Yeah, he had a few nice plays there. So I guess moving over to the other backfield committee on the other side of the ball uh, with the Patriots, Damian Harris led the way with 40 snaps. James White had 28. He was pretty much in his typical role, uh, getting all these check down passes. You can expect pretty much the same thing as we've had out of James White for the last few years. Ramondre Stevenson, uh, only five snaps. He was used early in the game, uh, but had a fumble. It was Honestly, I didn't think that it was really a fumble. I thought he was down watching the replay. That might be my Pats fan bias. But either way, he was used very sparingly after that happened. Uh, And then Brandon Bolden mixed in on a couple snaps as well. So really, this is the Damian Harris backfield. He went for over 100 yards. This Patriots offensive line is still really well built to run the football. I would feel pretty confident about him as my RB2 if that's where I had him on my roster. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he popped on a few plays, uh, thirty long of 35 yards, 23 carries for 100 overall. Um, again, you didn't get the touchdown, so it doesn't look as good in your fantasy box score, but that'll come. Um, you know, hey, he even caught two passes. Like, that's pretty good compared to last year. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I thought Damian Harris looked really good. And, again, they're going to face better or worse defenses than this, better matchups where we're a lot more excited about him. So, he's always got to be held back a little bit by the pass catching, I think. Um, I I was really encouraged by James White, seven targets, six catches, 49 yards. That's a lot closer to the James White from before last year. Uh, so I think if you drafted him as a bench kind of flex player, I think you can feel pretty good about him, especially in potential shootouts. So, um, yeah, I guess really the main question for me, maybe you can help me with this, is do you see any pass catchers that are going to consistently uh, step up and take work? Um, how did like the tight ends shake out? How did these receivers shake out? Because there's a lot of change here in New England. Yeah, the pass catchers, I'll say I was a little surprised by the amount that Nelson Aguilar was used. I really thought he was going to kind of play like the decoy X field stretcher role in the Patriots offense. That's what Brandon Cooks did for a couple years here. But he was actually used on some short routes. He caught a a screen for a touchdown that looked pretty nice. I am not going to go so far as to say that he's going to get consistent usage. Um I don't think you're going to want to be starting him, but maybe he can be a desperation flex play. Uh, Jacoby Myers caught a few nice slants. He looked good. Like all these pass catchers looked good. They just aren't going to have the volume or the usage consistently to really make a difference in your fantasy lineup. As far as the tight ends, I mean, they were both on the field plenty. John Smith had 55 snaps, Hunter Henry 54 uh, Johnny was used on a jet sweep, so he had a rush, and he had five targets, five catches, 42 yards. Henry had three targets, uh, three catches, and 31 yards. They both looked good. They both looked explosive, but again, it really just comes down to volume here. I think Johnny and Henry can both be like these low-end, tight-end one type of plays or like desperation streamers, especially in better matchups or in games with higher totals where we expect that one of them will hopefully catch a touchdown. But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be getting crazy excited about anybody, any of these Patriots pass catchers. On the other side of the ball, I think you can get excited about Jalen Waddle. He mm-hmm. looked pretty good. He flashed on a few plays. What do you think of him? Yeah, I mean, I've been hoping he'd look like this all offseason. Yeah, six targets, four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think he even had a drop that could have added on to that. Uh, so it could have been a little bigger day. I think this is going to be a fun offense when we get uh, Will Fuller back. You got Fuller and Waddle, uh, Parker. I mean, he had 81 yards receiving. I uh, get this offense against a non-Patriots defense, and I'm actually pretty excited here. I thought Waddle looked pretty much as advertised. He flashed athleticism, and – 
just the fact that they picked him so high, you know they're going to keep him featured. And, and this is a great first step for a rookie receiver. So, yeah, I'm excited about him. Um, it's it's going to be hard to know when to trust him, I think, because next week, again, we're going to have Fuller back, and then we kind of have to, like, reassess after that. Um, but they play the Bills. That could be a nice little shootout. So uh, Bills and then Raiders, there, there's some good games on tap. So I'm excited about Waddle. Uh, I think they want to get him the ball. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be good things, especially in a well-coached team like this. So – um, that would be my take on him. Um, as far as like some of the Patriots, I mean, Jacoby Myers, I think he did exactly what you think he's going to do. Nine targets, six catches, 44 yards. Um, he was a nice late round kind of volume player. Um, Parker, I would expect for the, the Dolphins to go away a little bit once Fuller gets back. But I don't think either of these going to be real high scoring fantasy offenses. But I guess overall, I would just say encouraging Damian Harris usage. I mean, he gets to 100 yards. So that was the that was the main takeaway from me. So um, do you see anything here with, I mean, do you see like breakout potential at all with the Patriots? I mean, if they get those tight ends going, or are they always going to be just kind of this grinded out offense? I do think it's kind of be this grinded out kind of offense. And the problem is like, they will spread the ball around every single week. Like they, like just from the amount of players we've talked about, John Smith, Hunter Henry, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, even targets James White. Like I, unless there's some injuries that happen, I don't think we're ever going to see any of these guys really consolidate a target share to the point where we're excited to start them in fantasy. So yeah. that's that would be my thoughts on Patriots Dolphins. Yeah, and what from what I saw from Tua, um, he actually he looked like he was moving pretty well. Uh, he looked maybe pulled up a few times, not wanting to take a big hit, but um, he was out there scrambling. I know that box score doesn't quite show it, but he ran for a touchdown, so that that helps. Um, I was generally encouraged by Tua, and I'm interested to see him in a higher scoring game. So I, I think the jury's still out a little bit on Tua from a fantasy perspective, but. Um, I mean, you know, Hey, if you look at the quarterback rating though, Mac Jones outplayed him. So I don't, I don't know here, but, uh, but I do think it was encouraging. Let's see him next week against Buffalo. Yeah, absolutely. I thought Tua looked pretty decent. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to come crap on Tua on this podcast. I, I will <laughs> say that I thought Mac Jones looked more confident as a passer, um, was making better decisions in a few spots, but yeah, the rushing touchdown is nice. That's what we care about for fantasy. And if he's, going to continue doing that then that's what we do care about i agree i would be curious to see how he looks in a game where he really needs to up the tempo and throw down the field some more Mm -hmm. but i mean as long if he's got weapons like jalen waddle and will fuller i think he's got a decent shot of being pretty productive this year yep i agree it seems like they can scheme them open so i think it's going to work out pretty well Okay, let's go to the next game. This is one that I watched. Um, this was the Minnesota Vikings traveling to the Cincinnati Bengals. So, of course, I watched this one quite a bit. And I will fully admit I was wrong on the outcome of this one. Uh, the Bengals won 27-24 to 24 in overtime. Sure looked like they were headed for another tie at one point. Um, I still do not like the Bengals coaching staff. I don't like their offensive line. But uh, there was some good stuff here. So I'm going to try to stick to the positives. But uh, I'll start out with some negatives right up front. Um, as far as Burrow, Burrow looked good. I think he did all that he could in his first game back from a major injury. Um, they only had 32 dropbacks, which is kind of why I've been ranking them low. I did not think they were going to come out and just fire away with Burrow, and they didn't. Um, they ran a lot early, a lot of short stuff, um, but he was still sacked five times on 32 dropbacks. There were just too many sacks. Um, he only rushed once for two yards. Those are all my concerns, and they all did show up in this game. So I still don't trust this line, um, and I think they're going to be a little cautious with his overall volume until they block a little better. So that was one big thing I noticed, but – he overcame it. Um, he got some downfield passes going. He had a 
a big play to uh, Jamar Chase, a 50-yarder. That was a big knock on Burrow as his deep ball last year. Um, overall, Jamar Chase, five for 101 and a touchdown. I, Jamar Chase, I don't think he looked like the second coming of Calvin Johnson or anything, but um, he, I mean, hey, he didn't drop any passes. He had 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, definitely puts to bed a lot of concerns we had coming in. Um, T. Higgins has a nice game here, four for 58 and a touchdown. Um, I think T. Higgins has a really nice red zone role. He had a lot of red zone work last year, and they obviously were looking his way in the red zone this year. So um, as far as the passing game, I think they're going to ramp up the volume as they go, but it is going to be a process here. Only 27 attempts for Burrow, 261, but two touchdowns and no picks. So that's encouraging. Um, I think while they are in this mode of offense, the biggest uh, hurt by it is Tyler Boyd, only four targets, three catches, 32 yards. I, I think for him, not being a red zone threat, not being a big play threat, we need volume. And until they get back up to the 50 pass attempt games, he's going to struggle a little bit. So um, that, those are my general takeaways from the Bengals passing game. Uh, Ryan, I don't know how much of this you caught, but what do you think about the Bengals passing attack here after one week? I caught a little bit of it. I will say that I was disappointed because the Bengals really had a high volume passing attack last year. And that's what I was really banking on this year with a, as I've been drafting a lot of Joe Burrow, a lot of T Higgins, a lot of Jamar chase. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will give, I'll give it to you on this one. You did kind of call it that they would probably be as cautious as they could with Burrow coming back. Um, that's all I really have to say. Um, other than I was told before this game that Jamar chase could not catch a football that he didn't (laughs) that he didn't know what an NFL football looked like and that he was a guaranteed bust um so I'm happy that we could move beyond that today (laughs) it's exciting times um he is not not a bust he had one good game so now we're full uh you know other side of the coin here Uh, he's a future hall of famer so now I I thought he looked good I mean his long touchdown was pretty bad defensive play by the Vikings like he kind of just ran you know, a go route untouched down the sideline and, and got past them. Not a lot of jamming going on. So um, this Vikings team didn't give the most inspired performance. Uh, they did have Burrow under center a lot more, I think, and a little more play action, which was probably a smart thing to do. Uh, the first shotgun snap that I think they had, it was just like rusher up the middle untouched that sacked them. So it's just kind of like they're, try- <laughs> they're trying to protect him a little bit here, which I can understand. Uh, Burrow missed a, a pretty long touchdown to Mike Thomas at one point. Um, and then Mixon ended up getting a touchdown on that drive. So there could have been a little more for Burrow. Overall, it, it was really encouraging. He looked good. He looked like the Burrow of old, but the line's still not good. And he's not, I don't think he's going to run much this year, at least at, at, at the start. So we really need a lot of touchdowns, I think, from Burrow, which he, he could do. He, he's, he's a good quarterback and he looks in total command of the offense. He just needs his offensive line to help him out. So, um, but while they were a little more conservative, um, Joe Mixon was the beneficiary, 29 carries, also had four targets, 150 total yards and a touchdown. You know, he had 54 snaps. Samaj P. Ryan had 15. Um, Chris Evans did not come in and steal the third down roll or anything. So uh, Mixon is locked into a massive workload here. Um, I was a little bit wrong on Mixon, I think, from this first week. But I do think that this was like, you know, this is going to be one of his better games, 150 yards and a touchdown. And I, I do think there are going to be some games against tough defenses where uh, we just get almost nothing out of Mixon. But Hey, it's fancy football. We want volume out of the running back position. So I probably should have been drafted a little more Joe Mixon. Um, are you ready to change your opinion on Mixon after one week? Yeah, I mean, if he's going to be dominating the snap share like this, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, I found myself drafting Mixon a lot when he would be slipping into like the early third round because it feels like nobody really wanted to draft Joe Mixon this offseason. Yep. But yeah, I'm I'm encouraged for the few shares that I have of him. 
after this performance. I mean, yeah, like you said, we're probably not going to see a lot of games like this. This was a bit of a shootout, though it had a bit of a slow start, but it ended up being pretty productive offensively for both teams. So, yeah, I am feeling pretty decent about Mixon. I'm not like rushing to sell high on him or anything, but yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, the Vikings, I mean, it was really, I'm sure Mike Zimmer laid into them at halftime. Uh, they had 10 penalties for 91 yards in the first half. They ended up with 12 for 116 for the game, mainly offensive line penalties, false starts and holdings. The offensive line was really bad. Um, Cousins did not look good. He took some bad sacks too. His stat line looks, it, he salvaged his stat line towards the end. And even early on, it still looked good, but it was an ugly performance. But hey, he got you at 49 attempts, 351 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, it was not pretty out of Cousins, but he got the job done. Um, otherwise, you know, we know Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson were starting them every week. Thielen gets the two touchdowns this week, but uh, Jefferson just missed on some big plays and he still had nine targets. So I'm not worried. Um, KJ Osborne was the number three receiver somehow. I uh, did not see that coming. 67 snaps. Uh, the next receiver after the first three for the Vikings had 15. So KJ Osborne was the third and they used a lot more three wide sets with the tight end injuries. Uh, but I mean, you know, we're really looking for Dalvin Cook and the receivers and they all looked good. So I'm not sure how much there is to take away here. Uh, Tyler Conklin was the clear tight end one. He dominated the snaps. I uh, went four for 41 on four targets. So he did what he could with his work. Um, but I mean, the Bengals are usually a pretty good matchup for tight ends. So he, he doesn't have much of a ceiling. He's just for deep leagues. So I don't know. I don't think there's much to take away other than the Vikings offensive line just really struggled here. Yeah, nothing super surprising here. I was glad to see Tyler Conklin get a little bit of work because I was I was a little bit vocal about him during the week that I thought he was lining up pretty well for like an okay tight end performance, which is exactly what he gave us. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, other than that, uh, Adam Thielen did get both the touchdowns. I'm sure Twitter was really mad about that uh, <laughs> because they think he scores too many touchdowns, like he doesn't deserve to score them or something. Right. So yeah, nothing super surprising out of the Vikings offense, I would say. Yep. Dalvin Cook, 20 carries, only 61 yards, but he gets a touchdown. And actually the seven targets, six catches was really encouraging. He kind of, he went, dropped off a little bit last year in, in passing game work. We just didn't notice because he was so good on the ground. So good to see him involved in the passing game. He's going to have monster weeks ahead. So yeah, I think we can move on from that one pretty much as expected, other than the Bengals pulling it out for the win, I would say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that was headed for a tie. I was really thought we were getting our week one Bengals Vikings tie out of the way, but <laughs> they have a knack for ties. I guess it's got to be against the Eagles for them to tie though, for the Bengals to tie. So, <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Hey, we'll take it. We'll take the win. Um, so yeah, let's go next. Um, I watched a good chunk of this one. Uh, Steelers and Bills. This was a surprising one. Steelers went 23 to 16. Um, again, I don't know how much there is to take away from this game though. Um, but from the Bills side of things, Zach Moss, surprise inactive here. Uh, De Devin Singletary got 64 snaps, Matt Breda only 10. So it's not like this was Matt Breda getting the look over uh, Zach Moss because he wasn't really even used that much. So Singletary, he gets you 11 carries, 72 yards, um, three catches for eight yards. There's just, there's never going to be much there for this running game, especially with Josh Allen getting goal line work, which he did in this one. He got stuffed on a draw, but um, there's just not a whole lot there for the running game. Um, I'm, does this change anything for you other than like what in the world happened to Zach Moss? I mean, yeah, I've, I've dropped Zach Moss from a roster. That's pretty much it, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm not all that interested in the Bills running game. They they love to throw. And 
I mean, I guess I will say the Bills defense surprised me. I didn't think that this game was going to go quite how it did. So maybe there's some favorable game scripts ahead Mm -hmm. for the Bills. But yeah, I'm not really rushing out to acquire Devin Singletary or Matt Breida other than in really deep leagues as like a bench flyer. Yeah. And I mean, Josh Allen had his typical nine carries for 44 yards. So, I mean, that's where the running back to volume is going. So, yeah. uh, which makes sense. I think he's better at it than they are. So, um, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, not a great game, but I mean, 51 attempts, you're going to have better games out of Allen than that. This was against a really good Steelers defense. Um, Diggs leads the way with 14 targets. Cole Beasley, 13 targets, second on the team. Um, Emmanuel Sanders had eight. Uh, they were on the field a lot, um, both Sanders and Beasley. They played a ton of snaps. Um, the problem for the Bills was big plays. They only had one catch over 20 yards. That was a 37-yarder from Gabriel Davis, and they only had one carry for over 25 yards. That was from Singletary. So there was just it was just all dink and dunk. The Steelers were tackling well. Just played really good defense. So I don't think there's a ton to get worried about here. I know some people might worry about regression from that crazy year they had last year, but um, I, I think it's just let's see him against a different defense other than the Steelers. Um, so I don't know. I would be intrigued by both Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley. They got a lot of work, and they're going to be better weeks ahead. Um, anything to add there, Ryan? Not really. Yeah, I I agree. There's value in this Bills passing game. I want to see how it shakes out in a more typical type of game. I will say that Gabriel Davis got the touchdown, which was pretty tilting because <laughs> someone that's been fading him because, in my view, all he really had was like the red zone weapon type of uh, work. But of course, that leads to touchdowns sometimes <laughs> or more often than not. So, yeah, definitely uh, got to keep an eye on this Bills passing game and we'll see how they look next week. Yep. And from the Steelers side of things, um, I, it's fairly shocking that Najee Harris apparently played in all 58 snaps. Uh, <laughs> I know that we knew he was going to be the bell cow, but that's taken it to another level. Um, it's one of those that I would double check thinking it's wrong. But I mean, Nathan J- uh, Jonke, I don't know how you say his last name. Sorry, Nathan. But from PFF, you should follow him on Twitter. Um, he does snap counts and I trust him and he's on top of this stuff. So I'm going to trust him when he says that Najee Harris played every single snap here. Um, so, I mean, it's disappointing. 16 for 45. And it's, it's a little bit of, you know, surprising. Only three targets and one catch. But I don't think we can complain too much here with Harris, right? He saw every single possible look from the backfield it's going to get better yeah it, in fact i would say this is a buying opportunity if the mm-hmm. Najee harris owner in your league is feeling discouraged then you should probably go out and acquire because if they're not even going to have another running back get a single touch or a single snap in a game there's gonna be better games than this for the steelers running game and Najee harris is gonna benefit from all of it apparently mm-hmm. so that's that's what you wanted fantasy football is this type of volume and usage and otherwise i mean like i said the bills defense looked good too roethlisberger under 200 yards i think he's off the streaming radar till we see anything else receivers pretty much as expected deontay johnson leads the way in targets caught a touchdown kind of ugly other than that juju second in targets claypool looked good he, he made some really nice downfield plays Um, but only five targets, three catches for 45. I still think there's a lot of upside there for Claypool. He looked like the type of downfield threat we want. Um, It's just a matter of him getting the looks and, you know, them throwing the ball downfield more. I I think this kind of uh, defensive battle kind of lent them to just stick with what they did last year a little bit. So any big thoughts on the Steelers receivers before we move on from this one? 
Yeah, I just worry that Roethlisberger is going to hold back this offense maybe even more than we expected because he really did not look good. And you're right about Claypool. Like he, Every time the ball goes in his direction, you get excited. It looks awesome. He makes these really athletic catches. But yeah, he's got to do it off of efficiency, which he did for a good chunk of last year. So in yep. more favorable matchups, we'll see what happens. But yeah, you... I mean, you're like crossing your fingers that Big Ben can put it together, basically. Raiders and Bengals next two weeks, so that's encouraging. So, <laughs> yeah, that uh, might help. <laughs> it should be a flex play, wide receiver three. Um, I, I, he's got the upside to be worth it. So uh, Roethlisberger took off and scrambled on a play. Uh, it was pretty hilarious. So, uh, <laughs> he runs about as fast as you'd think he would right now. So, But hey, he got the win. So uh, as a Bengals fan, I, I guess I can't make fun of Roethlisberger too much because he's beat us so many times. So... Um, let's get to the next one. I think this one's going to be pretty quick. Um, I spent a lot of time watching Browns against the Chiefs, and it kind of went as expected. I mean, the Browns almost won this game. They looked really good. Um, they had the lead pretty late, but of course, the Chiefs at home win 33-29. to 29. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league and did just crazy things. Um, it's worth noting that second on the wide receiver depth chart in snaps was Demarcus Robinson with 48. Uh, only had one catch, though. Uh, Pringle had 45. So that's a ton of work or a ton of snaps like we would want, but only three catches for 19 yards. And then Pringle was way below him. So Miko um, Hardman got the work. We just didn't get the targets. Is it just going to be the same as it always has been in Kansas City? It's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and nothing else. Yeah, trying to find the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver too is kind of like trying to find the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Like you you think you keep seeing hints of it, but you're never going to really find a guy that's getting the type of volume we would expect out of a wide receiver too on any other team because it's it's really Travis Kelsey. Like he, it's yeah. Kelsey and Hill. They're the ones soaking up all this volume. That's why they're so elite in fantasy football because this these target shares are so consolidated among those two. So yeah, okay. I... Hardman, if you were for some reason holding out hope, I guess he was going fairly high in some fantasy drafts. So yeah. I guess people were holding out hope. But yeah, I would take this as a you can drop me Cole Hardman for a waiver pickup this week. Yeah, I mean, I was taking some shots late on him in like the 10th round and I fully knowing I might have to move on from him. So, I, you know, I don't think it's end of the world to sit him on your bench another week. But um, if someone's out there that is a, a good pickup, I would probably move on. It's just it's wild how much I mean, Tyreek Hill, 197 yards on 11 catches, Kelsey, 76 yards and two touchdowns. Like it's just they're just so good. Um, I, I thought this was a relatively discouraging performance from Clyde Edwards Hilaire only because sure he leads the t the running backs in snaps with 47 Daryl Williams way down there at 14 McKinnon only four but he still just sees three targets 20 29 yards receiving like we know that Edwards Hilaire is not going to get this done on the ground we want the passing game work and I just saw nothing this week that led me to believe that it was going to change that we could you know, we were hoping Edwards Lair was going to be like six catches, 70 yards some weeks, and I just don't see it happening. So um, I'm kind of down on Hilaire. I don't know about you, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a better snap share than we saw out of him for a lot of last year. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was coming in and taking snaps away from Edwards Hilaire in his rookie season. So that didn't happen this time. So that might be encouraging, but yeah, unless he's going to like fall into two touchdowns and I am pretty concerned about how he's going to live up to his draft cost this year. Um, I agree. And on the Brown side, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was a surprise inactive, uh, probably hurt a lot of people because that did not happen until after the one o'clock kickoffs, I believe. 
Uh, they were really feeding the tight ends and running backs, as you would expect in Cleveland. Um, Nick Chubb, two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt gets a touchdown. They're all great. We know that. Um, I, I don't know how much more there is to say. Like, early on, it was all tight ends. Austin Hooper had three catches for 27 yards. It seemed like maybe the first drive. And then um, it kind of went away, and David Njoku kind of came out. Uh, he ended up with five targets, three catches, 76 yards. 76 yards led the team. Um, Anthony Schwartz um, had a couple big plays downfield, a 44-yarder. He had 69 yards receiving on three catches. He's a real uh, speed demon that could find some snaps here for sure. So uh, I think there's dynasty value there on Schwartz that happened. Uh, maybe Njoku is worth a look long-term. Other than that, though, this offense was expected. And Baker was efficient, but, you know, no touchdowns. Um, it's just fantasy-wise, I think he kind of is what he is at this point. So uh, anything change your mind here in Cleveland? Not really, other than Anthony Schwartz, as you said. Uh, he's someone that I didn't mind taking flyers on like late in rookie drafts in some dynasty leagues. So that was encouraging that he comes out week one and makes a couple plays. But yeah, nothing crazy surprising here in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, it's a little disappointing that I guess that we didn't get like a full breakout, uh, even with Odell being inactive from any of these other receivers. But it's kind of what we expected i mean he was out most of the year last year the offense looked pretty similar from what i caught so yeah yeah and i mean shorts you know five targets three catches 69 yards that's if he's playing the odell beckham role to some extent like maybe that's encouraging for odell when he's healthy they got the ball downfield to him so we'll see um i think it's going to be a gradual process though with odell this year so um yeah, so I think that is going to wrap up this game. I mean, the, you know, the, the Chiefs kind of pulled this one out at the end. They got a 75-yard touchdown to Tyree Kill. Not that that's unexpected, but um, they really did have to kind of put everything they had into this one. So the Browns are looking like a really good team this year. So, um, yeah, we're going to bring on Aaron Raider and go into the games that he watched this week. All right, Aaron Raider joins us, uh, manager at QB List, uh, Big Falcons fan, um, probably was very excited for this game. And, uh, well, we'll see how he came away from this one. Uh, I think there's some good and some bad, but I did not watch nearly as much of this game as Ryan and Aaron did. So, um, Aaron, how you doing? What do you think of this Falcons performance? Well, I was excited, Eric, but uh, after, you know, <laughs> after what happened, I'm not, I'm not too uh, sure how excited I am about the season. But, um, you know, coming into this game, I definitely – you know, I was excited because everything was new. I kind of didn't have, you know, some of my favorite Falcon seasons or when I don't have too high expectations and I just see, you know, what happens. But obviously it looks like they got some work to do. So, yeah, uh, Eagles win 32 to six. Uh, I thought the offense started out really good early. Um, so what do you think happened, Aaron? What, what changed from the start? Uh, what do they need to work on? What do you think about fantasy prospects for this passing game? passing game? Let's start with the passing game. Yeah, so, I mean, to echo what you said, I mean, I was really, you know, impressed with the offense to start. I mean, we ran the ball probably better than we've ran in the last couple of years. Mike Davis looked pretty good. You know, I was actually like, wow, I mean, maybe we can actually – and not only that, but the up-tempo. I've been saying, you know, Matt Ryan, I would love to see him in an up-tempo scheme more often. Uh, and they kind of started out that way. And then, of course, we had the red zone woes, which is something that's happened – too many times in the in the last five years for the Falcons, and um, I'm worried that's going to continue this year. But the biggest thing was the penalties. I mean, this team was absolutely killed. There were a couple third downs that we converted that came back um, because of penalties. So if they can clean some of that up, I mean, I, I believe, you know, the biggest, you know, 
worry I have is that can they protect Matt Ryan? He was on the ground a ton, especially towards the end of the game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I think Ridley is going to have some really good games. Um, whether he's going to get near that top five receiver, I don't, I'm not sure after watching today, but uh, a lot of people thought he could finish the number one receiver in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I am a little bit worried about everybody's fantasy outlook after today. Okay. What do you think? I mean, Ridley, he had, I think, maybe three for 39 on the first drive, it felt like. Um, I saw him take kind of a shot on a play, but, I mean, he had eight targets overall. I, he was out there the whole game, right? He just – they went away from him after that first drive? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's really the penalties and the and Matt Ryan getting sacked all day. And, you know, one of the things – we're going to have to find someone else to go to besides, you know, Ridley. We're, you know, Gage was pretty much non-existent until the end of the fourth quarter – um, and then, you know, Kyle Pitts really expected to see some big things from him today. And he was, you know, quiet all game. So, um, mm-hmm. definitely got to get something out there to take some, some coverage off him and attention away from Ridley. Yep. Yeah. So Ridley leads the way with 61 snaps. Pitts had 49. That's really encouraging. Um, Gage had 48. I was shocked that that led to two targets and no catches. Um, and then Hayden Hurst, 43 snaps. That that was the core of the pass catching game right there. Uh, not a lot going on after that. Um, Pitts ends up eight targets, the same as Ridley, four for 31. I thought there was some encouraging stuff with Pitts, the way they were using him, um, at least early on. That's primarily when I saw him. Uh, they were playing him in the slot, playing him out wide. They were going to him, you know, on fourth and one and in the red zone. I just This whole offense, I guess, just, just disappeared after the first couple drives, it seems like. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, that's honestly, you know, the biggest the biggest takeaway and the biggest, I guess, bright spot for this offense, um, if you're a Ridley or Pitts owner, is just their usage and their, you know, percentage of snaps. Uh, they'll get theirs. I mean, they'll get theirs, one, you know, some of these games, and this will get cleaned up, I hope. Uh, but, you know, we got so many new faces, and this is a young team in general. Uh, it's just going to take some time to work out. Yeah, yeah, and there's – Hopefully this is their worst game of the season for sure, because I mean, it is a new coordinator, a lot of new parts here. So um, as far as the backfield, um, what was your take? I mean, Mike Davis, 53 snaps, Cordell Patterson, 24. They were the only running backs really used. Um, And I think Mike Davis, you know, 15 carries, 49 yards, uh, six targets, three catches. Like that's probably what you're expecting out of them for fantasy purposes. You just didn't get that touchdown you wanted. Um, Patterson actually outrushed him on the ground, seven carries for 54. Uh, do you think Davis is locked into this role going forward or is Patterson actually going to make a, like a play to, uh, to take work from him? No, I mean, I, I was actually surprised at how much uh, Cordero Patterson was used. Um, he's kind of just that, you know, that Swiss army knife player that, uh, you know, the bears kind of like the way they used to Cohen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike Davis, I mean, I think he's pretty much locked in this role. I, I I was a little bit worried maybe Wayne Gallman would see some work, but we didn't see that today. So um, until proven otherwise, Mike Davis is the guy. But, um, you know, in a deep PPR league, Cordero Patterson kind of moves the needle for me, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially since he also does, you know, some returns and whatnot. But, yep. yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of all over the field as well, so. Yep. Really not much there though. I mean, I, I, like I said, I was shocked that Gage didn't have a catch. Um, Hayden Hurst gets four. Maybe there's some, you know, deep league value there. Uh, they're going to use two tight ends, but um, yeah, they've got a lot to work on. I'd say we're a ways away from uh, starting Matt Ryan. We need to see some more from this team. Um, I'm not going to panic on Ridley yet. 
Um, Pitts, hey, if you use to pick on him, you got to roll him out there. And, you know, four for 31, a tight end isn't the end of the world. But um, I, I think outside of Ridley and Pitts and Mike Davis, you nothing much else that you saw this week was there that you, you want to get in your lineup? No. No, no, I wish I could. I wish I could say there's more, but honestly, not really. No, it's understandable. Um, so let's go over to the Eagles offense here. Uh, they put up 32 points. They definitely – uh, kind of polar opposites. Um, so what did you think, Ryan? I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to steal all the headlines here, but what do you think about this Eagles offense? Yeah, Hurts looked incredible. I can I can honestly say I don't. he didn't make like a terrible throw or anything. Like he didn't have any picks. He Not that I saw, at least. I didn't see him make like really risky throws or like these ducks that we would see from him sometimes last year. I yeah. he he looked like a, a changed man, honestly. So I'm pretty excited about Jalen Hurts. I mean, he got it done on the ground like we expected him to. Seven carries for 62 yards. He's going to be really good at fantasy football this year. I don't know how else to say it. Um, as far as the Eagles passing game goes, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard caught a touchdown each. Can't really complain about it from any of them. Jalen Rager, not dead yet. Um, if I know a lot of people that have him in dynasty might've been pretty scared after drafting him in the first round last year, but he looked good. He had just as many receptions as Devonte Smith did Smith for his part also was leading the way in both snaps and targets for the Eagles receivers. So yeah, overall, if you've got a piece of this Eagles offense, you should be pretty encouraged. Uh, Quez Watkins was used early in the game on a couple screens. I on the first drive, they I think they went two or three in a row to him, uh, mm-hmm. but after that, he kind of disappeared. So maybe someone to keep an eye on, but not someone to rush out to the waiver wire quite yet. Yeah, and I was surprised the backfield looked so good. I mean, Sanders, uh, fifteen for seventy four, caught a couple passes, uh, four passes actually, um, and then. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, um, nine for 37 on the ground and a touchdown. He had a couple catches. I didn't think they were going to get the running backs involved in the passing game this much. So, um, overall, this is still Sanders backfield. He led the way in snaps. Uh, but I mean, I know you used to love, love Miles Sanders, Ryan. Uh, are you back on board now? Like, did you see enough this week? I mean, I think he can be an RB two this year, pretty solidly. Like it, it's not like Gainwell was coming in and completely taking away all of his pass catching work i mean gainwell was in on some third downs and in passing situations um there was even one point when sanders basically marched the ball down the field by himself and then he got to like the 10 yard line and they promptly took him out put gainwell in and gainwell scored so that was pretty tilting um (laughs) but i mean other than that uh this was obviously the eagles may not be seeing a game script like this every week um, in fact, it might even be kind of rare. I'm still not super bullish on the Eagles win total this this year. But from what we saw in this game, I mean, Sanders can definitely be a solid play in the right matchups. And I thought he looked good running the ball. He showed a lot better vision than we've seen out of him the last couple of years, in my opinion. So and he's still as explosive as ever. Hey, he didn't really rip off any of these like huge 50, 60 yard runs like he likes to do but we'll see at least a few of those this year too. So yeah, if you drafted Miles Sanders when he was slipping into like the fifth round towards the end of the preseason, I would feel pretty decent. Yep. I would agree. And Aaron, did you see anything from this Falcons defense? Um, Any hope for improvement or any parts you want to target if you're going against them? What was your overall takeaway from the defense? Cause I know Dan Quinn's not there anymore, but um, you know, still a disappointing performance overall. Well, just to add to that Miles Sanders take, before we move on to that, uh, 
you know, a lot of people were sleeping on him, you know, coming off the last year. We actually had a, a buddy of mine get him for three bucks in an auction league. So, <laughs> no. he, you know, he's he's looking pretty good right now. But um, to go back to the Falcons defense, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, it's it's hard to be positive about anything if you're a Falcons, Titans, or Packers fan today. But uh, <laughs> um, they did they kind of did bend but not break in a few situations where I thought, okay, if our offense could give us something, you know, then we'd be in good shape here. But uh, secondary is still an issue. I mean, there's so many young DBs out there for the Falcons, and it just shows every play. Um, and they're giving up those big chunk plays uh, mm-hmm. often. And uh, that's where it's hurting us the most. But I do think that there's, you know, signs of life. I know, you know, Michael Walker might be one of my favorite young players um, on this team. And uh I think it, it, as long as they keep getting, you know, the more and more the season goes on, the more reps they get, I think they'll grow and mature and, and hopefully cut down on some of those those chunk gains they're giving up. But yeah. not a whole lot of encouragement just yet. Yeah, and probably a tough week one matchup for a, a new defense, getting a, a mobile quarterback like Jalen Hurts. That can just expose you in so many ways. So, yeah, overall, I was I was surprised that uh, Devonta Smith came in right away and, you know, looked good and caught a touchdown out of the slot. So you're, you're looking good on that one if you drafted him for sure. Um, so I am going to throw it to Aaron. Uh, next game is Packers and Saints. The final score of this uh, was probably one of the more surprising outcomes of the day, I would think. Um New Orleans Saints 38, Green Bay Packers 3. I don't even have any notes on this one, Aaron. Um, I just want to know uh, what happened. I think it was – it must have been Winston's LASIK, LASIK surgery. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> he was throwing dimes out there. Uh, but the Saints really did. I, you know, I hate – every year I'm like, okay, Drew Brees is gone. Like this year I'm like, okay, maybe we can finally – just have to deal with the Bucks, but then here comes Jameis Winston and the Saints are still rolling. Um, they look – them and the Bucks look like two of the teams to beat in the NFC this year, uh, you know, apart from the 49ers and people like that. But um, really surprised about the usage of Tony Jones Jr. Um, you know, Kamara's still going to get his and he's still going to be the workhorse, but it was kind of a Tony Pollard situation with as much – um, something about Tony, I guess, being the, <laughs> being the backup running backs. Um, but, you know, my biggest question is who's going to be the receiver to own in this offense while Michael Thomas is still out and then Traquan Smith going to injured reserve. Um, Deontay Harris had a nice catch. Um, you know, Marquez Callaway looked pretty good. And uh, not only that, but Juwan Johnson had, what, two touchdowns. They're tied in. They're converted wide receiver to tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's somebody to keep an eye on as well. You know, Troutman was getting all the hype, but maybe Jawan Johnson will be used more than we think, but I got to hand it to Jameis. He looked good. And I don't know, um, you know, I don't know if it's the limited amount of time the Packers had together this off season, you know, a lot of, you know, the broadcasters, Troy and Buck were trying to blame it on that, but I don't know, man, I don't think it's just, I think it's just this team overall is a little bit broken and, uh, you know, they need help all over the place to me. Uh, they don't look like anywhere near the NFC title contenders they were last year. Yeah, and uh, coming into the year, there were some concerns about the Packers' offensive line. Um, they got some injuries to start out, and it might not be up to what it was last year. And I, I think it looked like that today. Uh, Rodgers was under pressure. But from the Saints' side of things, I mean, Jameis throws five touchdowns on 20 attempts. 
Uh, just a crazy game all around. I mean, we were worried about Callaway having Jair Alexander potentially cover him. Um, so I, I would kind of give him a mulligan on this two target, one catch, 14 yard game, just because Winston only had 20 attempts. Um, like you said, Deontay, uh, Deontay Harris with a long touchdown, uh, 72 yards on two catches, but there's just no volume in the passing game. So I think people are going to read into like Camara, four targets, three receptions. Um, and be down on that, but they just didn't throw it a lot. So this was a weird game. I think it got off track real quick for the Packers, and we kind of saw that happen to them a few times last year. So um, I don't know. I don't know if I would take any huge takeaways from this one other than Kamara's going to get the ball a ton, 20 carries, three catches. Um, And, yeah, like you said, Tony Jones Jr., 11 carries for 50 yards. He certainly seems to have a role as the backup. Obviously, perfect game script here, though. So – um, yeah, I, I think this is – it's going to be fun, though, with Winston. He's, he's going to put up some points and uh, puts everyone on the radar here for the Saints. Um, so if, as far as the, the Packers go, I mean, there's really nothing here other than Devontae Adams. Do you think it was a, a mismatch between their offensive line and the Saints' defensive line? I mean, it was Rodgers just rusty? Like, what do you think the primary cause for concern is here? I mean, that offensive line looked pretty pretty bad to me. I don't know. Um I think it's a, a multitude of things, and I think they're missing back, you know, back Tiari. Uh, and like I said again, Aaron Rodgers, I, you know, we already thought he was getting traded, and I don't think he expected to be in Green Bay this year. And he just looks apathetic to me on the sideline in the game. I don't know if you guys saw that from his body language, but you know, he's one of those guys that when when he's feeling something like that, you can definitely tell it on the field. Um, and he's just. I don't know, man. It, I just don't think he wants to be there. And I don't know, you know, how far this team's going to go. It's like every – it seemed like every play I was um, – you know, every third and long, he was just rolling out, you know, throwing it downfield, um, chunking it downfield for a prayer to, mm-hmm. you know, Lazard or, or Marquez Valdez-Scantling or something. Um, and it's just like his ability to make, you know, something out of nothing with these weapons has – masked their problems for so long that uh, I don't know, you know, if he's able to do that anymore or, or if he wants to, for that matter, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this game got away from him, but it was just 17 to three at the half. Like they, they've come back from worse before. So um, as far as the receivers, like it was, it was Adams, Lazard and Scantling on the field. Randall Cobb only saw 15 snaps. Amari Rogers, the rookie only 15. So it was pretty much the same offense as last year. Um Aaron Jones saw 28 snaps, Dylan 16, Kylan Hill 14, but I, I think some of that's just because of the blowout. So um, huge disappointment here from Jones, but I, I, there are going to be better games for Jones. He's going to have more than seven touches most weeks. So I think it's kind of an aberration here. Um, I would look more at just kind of the usage overall and expect better things, but it's definitely uh, – if, if you started Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones, you're probably in an no one hole this week, and that's not a good way to start things out. Um, Ryan, did you see anything different in this game? I didn't catch much of it, but yeah, I mean, even just looking at the box score, like, I don't, am I allowed to be worried about Aaron Jones? Like (laughs) only five carries for him, four for AJ Dillon, five for Kylan Hill. I don't know when those came during the game. Aaron, maybe you can enlighten us on if they had just yanked him because of the blowout, but yeah, this is pretty concerning. And this wasn't really supposed to be like a poor game environment for Jones. I mean, the Saints run defense is good, but the Packers shouldn't be getting blown out like this. So I'm is, is this something that could continue? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I definitely like I said, I think the Packers, 
issues are, are, are deep. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they'll get it's not every week's not going to look like this, but obviously I think there's some, some things that are keeping them from really achieving, you know, what they achieved last year. So I, I don't know at this point, you know, if they're an eight and eight team or a little better, a little worse. Um, I just, I know it's week one. There's a lot of overreaction. I hate to, I I'm, I'm bad about that sometimes, but um, <laughs> just, just from my point of view, from what I watched in the game, I mean, I just did not expect, especially you got to think, take into account all of what the saints have been through in the last few weeks. I mean, yeah. moving the game, the hurricane, moving all their families, um, moving this game to Jacksonville, which interestingly enough, I heard they moved it to uh, Jacksonville because Aaron Rodgers is apparently uh, historically bad in the state of Florida. <laughs> so I don't know, I guess that's a, a competitive advantage they thought they had. So, yeah. That was, that was perfect. I think just you look at some of these numbers, it's just a weird game. I mean, Adam Troutman had 51 snaps at tight end. Jawan Johnson had 12 snaps, and yet Jawan Johnson has three catches, 21 yards, and two touchdowns. So, I mean, Marquez Callaway, 52 snaps, two, uh, one catch. This was just a weird game on both sides of the ball. So we will see if this carries over. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, like we said before, you, we tend to overreact to week one, and maybe it just turns out this Saints defense is a buzzsaw. Packers get the Lions next week, so if they don't put up points next week, then uh, we'll be real concerned, I would say. So, all right, I think that's a pretty good rundown of that one. Um, we just got a couple quick hits before we get out of here. Um, we wanted to go to the Cardinals-Titans game. So we talked a bit about the Cardinals' backfield, so I'm kind of mainly focused on the passing games here. Um, and Aaron, you're probably a good one to start out with here. So uh, Julio Jones in Tennessee for his first game, um, six targets, three catches, pretty lackluster day. Uh, do you think this is just him easing in on a new team or should we lower our expectations here with, with Julio Jones? Well, before I, before I talk about that one, I do want to say there's a little bit of breaking news. Apparently David Montgomery went to the locker room of the Sunday night game. So we'll keep an eye on that, but uh, okay. um Julio Jones, you know, I think it was just a bad day in general for the Titans. Um, everybody looked pretty bad. I mean, aside from AJ Brown's uh, touchdown, I don't, he only had one, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, aside from that, he probably would have had a pretty bad day. Um, I've only got to watch that one on Red Zone, unfortunately. But uh, Julio, you know, he's, he's kind of struggled with some injury stuff and he's another guy that's had a shortened off season with this team. You know, he got traded kind of midway through and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, I worry about his health and, um, you know, of course I'm still a little bit salty about what he did to us, but, uh, you know, I do wish him well and I hope he performs for everyone that decided to draft him. But, um, yeah. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to see, you know, I've heard a lot of arguments from people one way or the other about AJ Brown saying he's going to help him. And then other people saying he's going to take away from him. So, um, you know, the Titans are at their best when they're able to just pound the ball with Henry. And um, today they weren't able to do that. And Kyler Murray's just continuing, you know, continuing to take the next step. And it's wild to think that he almost went and played baseball instead, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Titans, I think they got better days ahead. Uh, it's just a rough one for them today. Yep. AJ Brown, 52 snaps, Julio 50. So Julio was out there a lot. Um, Josh Reynolds was inactive. Apparently Chester Rogers is their third receiver. I didn't see that coming, but uh, Ryan, what do you think? Any, any strong takes on Julio here? Or you just uh, kind of give him another week to get involved in the offense? 
Uh, I mean, he did drop a touchdown, so this stat line could look a lot different if that goes the other way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would give it another week before we do strong takes. This should have been a really favorable environment for the Titans passing game. We talked on sit start about how they were start basically starting guys off the street at cornerback. So it is a little bit worrying. The biggest takeaway really is the Cardinals pass rush was really hard to get away from. Tannehill was being pestered all game. So I don't know. I think we give this one a couple weeks to see how it shakes out. Um, and Derrick Henry got stuffed at the goal line a couple times too. Like th- those are yeah. going to go in as it goes. So I wouldn't be hitting the super panic mode button on the Titans just yet. Okay. And I think there's going to be a lot of people run into the waiver wire if they're not already rostered for Cardinals receivers this week. Um, Christian Kirk scores two touchdowns. Uh, that's going to get everyone's attention. He caught five balls on five targets for 70 yards. And then Rondale Moore, uh, five targets, four catches, 68 yards. Um, I guess I just wanted to kind of put a spotlight on the snap share. Um, Christian Kirk, only 37 snaps. Rondale Moore, only 20. So they were super efficient with the work they got. A.J. Green was out there for 54 snaps. That's almost as many as DeAndre Hopkins. So um, I'll start with Ryan this time. So do you have any interest in Christian Kirk or Rondale Moore, or do we need to see them overtake A.J. Green before we're excited here? I mean – Here's the thing, like you've you've got to hope for rational coaching at some point, because I mean, I I think I said this at one point during the game is I cannot believe that NFL coaches are still drawing up back shoulder fades in the end zone to AJ Green after we saw them try it so many times last year in Cincinnati. Like it's just it's not an efficient play and it's it's pretty tilting. But I do think that Kirk and Moore have a chance to take over this role at some point as the season goes on Kirk is definitely best in the slot I mean it was it was pretty funny that by the time Larry Fitzgerald retired and (laughs) opened up the slot that was exactly when the Cardinals decided to draft Rondell Moore so Christian if you're Christian Kirk you're pretty happy that you showed up today with what you had but yeah I'm okay with stashing more especially because I think his he can take over slot snaps from Kirk and still have like these kind of screen game usages that we saw. And that could be pretty interesting, especially in an offense that's going to be as efficient as this one seems like it will be. Um, But yeah, I Kirk, I'm probably not rushing out to grab him. Um, I mean, yeah, no, I'm not rushing out to grab Kirk. I (laughs) I like him in the slot. I liked him as a prospect, but it's probably too little too late for a Christian Kirk breakout, but I could be wrong. We've seen guys guys do it later than him. So yeah. And his touchdowns were downfield plays. So it didn't look like his old slot role. He used to have Um, any, any thoughts differently there, Uh, Aaron? No, my, I mean, my biggest thing with the Cardinals receivers is like, how are you ever going to pick, you know, who's going to be the guy each week? The only, the only one comfortable starting every week for me is, uh, is DeAndre Hopkins, and we obviously know why that's the case. Yeah. But um, but it's a little bit like the uh, situation in Cincinnati, but there's even more mouths to feed in Arizona. And uh, it's kind of just like, you know, T. Higgins was my guy for Cincinnati coming into this. But, you know, other than De- DeAndre Hopkins, I'm not really sure uh, who I want to throw out there each week in Arizona. Maybe Christian Kirk, um, but it's hard to tell at this point. All right. Yep. I'm on board with all that, uh, but definitely was an exciting performance from Kyler Murray. He looked awesome today. So um, last game we're going to touch on chargers and the Washington football team. 
Um, we already talked about Washington's backfield up front, so we can kind of skip over that. I think really what I want to talk about here is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, he left with an injury. It appears to be pretty significant. Um, Ron Rivera said post-game they'd know more after an MRI, but they think it's a hip subluxation, and he could be out a little bit. So, um, Ryan, what are we doing with Washington here if this is not Ryan Fitzpatrick and it's Taylor Heineke? I mean, we're probably not as excited about guys like Deami Brown that we were maybe hoping could show up. But I mean, this Washington team can still be okay with Taylor Heineke. I mean, he played pretty well in, I, I think it was a playoff game last year. Um, I, I have a friend that's like this weirdly like a stand for Taylor Heineke. He thinks he's <laughs> like should have been given the starting job and is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC East was has been his take all off season. So I guess we'll see if that pans out. But yeah, I mean, you have to it has to put a little bit of a damper on some of these Washington weapons. Uh, but I mean, were we really expecting Fitzmagic to start all 17 games this year? Like I, when's the last time he did that? Like I'm not get. I don't I think this had to be a consideration at least when you were targeting these Washington players so I don't think it's like time to panic or anything. Yeah, I think it just ensures that this is going to be defense first, ball control, just keep it close to the vest offense. I think with Fitzpatrick there's some hope it could be bombs away here, so we'll see how long he's out. Um Aaron, you got any different takes on the Washington offense here? Well, I will say I, I happened to hear um in the post game show they were talking about Apparently his Fitz's hip came in or came out of socket, popped back into socket. So then, uh, yeah, I don't know how, what the injury timetable is on that, but mm-hmm. I kind of had, you know, a quick thought of, you know, maybe a Cam Newton reuniting yeah. with uh, Ron Rivera. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I would be interested and I'd be kind of, you know, I'd be more excited about this offense than with Taylor Heineke, but um but I, I was one who wasn't real high on this offense coming into the season. You know, as much as I love Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, uh, you know, I had a few friends who would take Antonio in the first round and say, oh, you know, they're going to be potent this year. And we all love Fitzmagic, but we know what he is. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think definitely now you downgrade all those guys and uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I'd be kind of surprised if they don't bring in another quarterback that's a good call on Newton. That'd make a lot of sense. I think, I mean, I think Kyle Allen's still there and you don't want to go back to Kyle Allen again. We've seen that too many times. So um, yeah, otherwise in this game, I, I just wanted to point out that Austin Eckler had zero targets. Um, I would read our, what we saw article on this one. Hopefully you can get some hint on why Austin Eckler had zero targets because it doesn't make much sense to me other than Keenan Allen was doing really well out there. So they were kind of feeding him, but um, check out the, what we saw article for that. Uh, But yeah, I think we've touched on just about everything. Um, Thanks for joining us today, Aaron. Um, Got any final thoughts, whether, you know, games you didn't get a chance to touch on or, you know, maybe one last uh, Falcons uh, hope for the Falcons fans out there. Uh, not too much Falcon stuff, but, uh, I am, I am sweating bullets right now because Stafford is close to beating me in my main (laughs) league. Um, and they, they just had Cooper cup down at the one yard line. He didn't get in they gave it off to uh, Henderson. So, um, but thank God football's back. Um, it's definitely, there's a lot, there's gonna be a lot of overreactions tomorrow on the, on the morning shows, on the podcast, you know, this one included, (laughs) um, But it's all, you know, all the fun of it. And uh, we'll, we'll hopefully, I always say, you know, like three weeks into the season, we kind of get a good grasp on what we can really 
expect from people's values and, and players uh, overall. So thanks for having me on and uh, good luck to everybody out there. Yeah. And thanks for joining us as well, Ryan. Um, any last thoughts? Uh, yeah. My last thought was that I was hoping by the time we were done recording this podcast that I would go downstairs and see Justin Fields on my television. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound like that's happening. I know he was in for a couple snaps at one point, but we're going to see how much longer the bears are going to wheel out Andy Dalton. I'm sure it's not going particularly well for them right now. Uh, given, given the blurbs and notifications that have been popping up on my screen. So we'll see how it goes. And yeah, it's awesome that football's back. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right. Well, that wraps up the week one, what we saw podcast. Uh, we will have a waiver wire com- podcast coming to you Tuesday morning. And of course, uh, Thursday morning, we'll have the sit start podcast. So keep an eye out for those. Thanks for joining us and hope you won your leagues this week.